The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. John 5, 19. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Hello and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast, joined by Perry Hughes. Perry, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Brett. Uh, it's a good, bright, sunny morning, and we are down here in Little River. We drove uh, late last night to get down to the coast for a little while, so we'll be here. I'm in my in-law's house, and um, I'm excited. We're going to do some fishing and do some surfing and get get salty and sandy and soak up some sunshine, baby. Did you drive all through the night? I know you left late last night. It's been a, for the listeners who may just be joining us for the first time, Perry's talked about this this grand adventure of of retrofitting or refurbishing or whatever word you would use, a, an RV for his family. But I guess you didn't take that yet. You don't have that with you, right? So you were able just to to go to the coast without that behemoth. That's right. We 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 had towed the beast to my friend who's a motorcycle mechanic, towed it to his shop yesterday morning after we put the finishing touches on it. And he's gonna kind of do a once over the axles, brakes, you know, the generator. He's just gonna tune it up, touch it up, as well as our dirt bikes. And then we dropped that off. And then we came back, got our boat, got to the house, packed up all of our, you know, the kids' bicycles and things you'd like to take to the beach. And uh, we headed east. We weren't driving through the night. You know, we we made it in we made it in yesterday. So it was like 1150 when we got in, which, you know, it's not too bad. That's awesome. Stage one of the Hughes family adventure is underway. So excited for you for that. And I'm excited to welcome to the show, Heather Johnston. Heather, welcome. How are you this morning? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Fantastic is good. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're (laughs) excited to have you here and and to have this conversation, really a, a serious conversation. And I'm curious where it is going to lead. We're, we're going to talk about the father nature of God. Obviously, we talk a lot about fatherhood, how we're trying to show up as fathers, and we often point to God as our heavenly father. That's a term that's sort of thrown around a lot, but what does that even mean? And so I want to try to unpack that a little bit. I have only recently met Heather and her husband and her kids at the new church we have been attending. And, and she shared a story about her father a couple Sundays ago. Heather, it just it touched me at a really deep level. I mean, it was just it was just a powerful story and sort of what you what you unpacked about that, I think is important to talk about. And so that's why obviously I've invited you on and and I I appreciate your willingness to share your story. Uh, and then just again have this conversation around the father nature of God. Let me uh, let, let me actually start by putting you guys both sort of on the spot. I was thinking about this this morning and, and praying about it. I mean, if I asked you to use three words, three adjectives to describe God, what words would you use? And maybe thinking about God as your father or just God generally, like Perry, what, what adjectives, what words come immediately to mind when you think about God? Gosh, that's a big question, isn't it? All of a sudden... Um... I'm feeling self-conscious about adjectives. I'm like, man, am I going to pick the right? Yeah, you're going to pick a verb. Brett's going to criticize my grammar. Well, I'm the son of an English teacher, so I'm like, I better get this right, you know? Uh, (laughs) But if we can just simplify it to say three words about God, um, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is is awesome, you know? 
uh, God's awesome and, um, amazing comes to my mind, you know, and, and loving is, is definitely in there. So those are kind of the first three without thinking about that specific question ahead of time, but those are the first three that just popped right into my, into my head. Good words. How about you, Heather? Yes. So without planning it, (laughs) (laughs) I would say number one is love for sure. Um, I think of God as love. Number two, I would probably say faithful. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something I've been thinking about a lot lately is he's faithful as the sun rising. Like I can count on him. Number three. Oh man. Um, it's hard to only pick three. Cause I want to say like yeah. a million. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say a million words. Number three. Forgiving, I guess. I think forgiving would be a good one for me. Cool. And yeah. those are all really positive, encouraging, strong, like loving, awesome words about God. And I want to I want to share some perspective on that here in a moment. When I asked myself that question, I just felt I felt prompted. Obviously, if we're going to talk about the father nature of God, I need to do some serious thinking about how I perceive God as my father and what that even looks like and what that means. And I had a really interesting experience when I first when I first started to ask myself that question, words from worship songs came into my mind. So what like it wasn't even my own words. It wasn't even my own perceptions of of God based on my own experience. It was like, oh, that song, you know, you're a good, good father. That's who you yeah. are. I was like, oh, so God's a good father because somebody sings it on the radio that I hear every once in a while. But do I do I really believe that God is good? Okay, yeah, if I really filter it, yeah, okay, I do believe he's good. And here's why, right? So so it it's just interesting how how we develop our perception of God, but it's such an important foundational question. As I dug a little bit deeper, I came up with kind. God's always been kind to us. We, I shared this experience just from a just a personal story. Um, recently, Heather, we we have the newborn, and I shared sort of the backstory to that on an earlier episode where we we lost a child about a, a year and a half ago, and during that, even before, even before we lost her. My wife received a, pro- a clear prophecy. God was very, uh, very kind to us because He delivered a prophecy about a rainbow baby, and so it gave us hope to hang on to during the hard wow. time. That's just kind. It's just a kind thing to do, right? He didn't have to do that, right? Yeah. But He knew the future. He knew what we were about to walk through, and He gave us something to hold on to as as a kindness. He's intentional. He's always been intentional with us. Interested in my life. I feel. I feel like. I feel like He cares about me. I feel like He's interested in my life. So those are some some of the words that I came up with. And, and we'll talk about this a little bit further. And I know, Heather, you've had a sort of a transition in how you think about God in terms of him being your father. And that's sort of the, yeah. the conversation we want to hear. I want to hear your story and we want to unpack that. But, but the analogy I would use at the outset, just for listeners and just kind of to get us thinking, and I heard this in the context of a personal development seminar, just about perceptions and how we perceive things. And we filter everything right through our own lens of our own experience. So you have two kids who encounter a dog. Maybe maybe there's a dog at the park and, and these two kids encounter this dog and one kid runs to the dog, gets down, lets the dog lick his face, pets it. Mommy, can I go play with the dog? 
And the other kid recoils in fear, hides behind mommy. Like, uh, like there's this, there's this standoffishness. Like I'm scared of this dog. Why? Well, because the first child had a great experience with a dog and has a family dog and, and dogs have been good to that child, but the other dog maybe got bit when he was young or, Mm. or something happened to where there's now that fear response with relation to the dog. And so there's nothing innate. Each child's response to that dog is based on their experience. Nothing about the dog itself, right? The dog itself is just the dog sitting there at the dog park. Now it might be a mean dog. It might be a good dog. It might be a, an annoying dog. Like we don't know anything about the nature of that dog yet, but we know our response to that dog is based on our experience. And I think when it comes to God, our experiences are either or both from our own experiences with God, like the story I shared, things that God has done and shown up in my life, or, and the conversation I want to have is, a lot of time I think we filter how we perceive God, especially as our father, through our own earthly father. Mm -hmm. Because it's all we have. It's how we, it's what we know. Does that make sense? Yeah. And in some cases that might be good. In some cases that's not good. And sometimes we need to figure out how to get our earthly father filter out of our minds so we can perceive God the way he really is. And I've been rambling way too long, but that's like sort of the, that's sort of the, the foundation of what I want to say about sort of framing this conversation. And let me kick it back to you then, Heather. Um, I want you to obviously get into a little bit of the story I hinted at earlier, and then we can unpack this further. But just tell us about your family to start. How many kids do you have? You have a husband you already referenced. Tell me about your, uh, tell me about your family. Yeah. So, um, my husband and I have been married, let's see, in June, it'll be 11 years. Um, my stepson, he is 16. He just turned 16. And then we have, um, Jet, he's going to be 10 in July. And then we have Levi who's eight and then Violet who's five. So we got four wild, crazy, (laughs) (laughs) fun, loving kids. They are so, they really are so sweet. Um, they're really good kids. And, um, my husband's in law enforcement and I've been doing ministry for, oh gosh, I don't know, many years, but also I've recently started teaching um, and I'm going to be teaching preschool starting in August. So I'm really excited about that. <laughs> you must, you're, you're a saint. You, have a, you must have a patient, a patient nature to deal with preschoolers. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you take good. Yeah, well, you take good care of the kids at uh, at church. I know that, so oh, so that's you. really cool. Uh, and by the way, so I'm realizing that that my family's sort of tracking with yours. Three boys and and a a girl. Perry has the three older boys and a young young daughter. I've got the three older boys and a young daughter. So give me some perspective on that. How has Violet uh, sort of rounded out your family? How is she? How how have the older boys been with her? Um, they are really good with her, actually. Um, she's bossy sometimes, (laughs) but I think she kind of, I think she'll be tough. You know, I think you kind of have to be tough to have three older brothers, but then she's so girly too. Like she, and she doesn't care. She's just all about pink and glitter and unicorns and the boys are all boy and then she's just all girl so it's fun because we kind of have you know we have all that we got the sports guys and then her she's just like I want to dance yeah (laughs) I want to sing you know it's really fun 
That's awesome to see that personality come out. Well, let, let, let's go back a little bit. Tell me, tell me some of your memories of your father. What was your childhood like growing up? What kind of father did you have? And what are some of your, your, your fondest memories, sort of pre-accident? So I don't want to give too much of your story away, but, uh, but what, are your, what are your fondest childhood memories? So honestly, I don't remember much before my dad's accident. Um, he was full. I was four when he was in his accident. So um, I kind of have little flashes of memories before that. Um, he, you know, he was a big sports guy. He was a swimmer growing up, loved baseball. He, um, did a lot of woodworking. He made me this giant, um, you know, outdoor, like little playhouse. Cool. I mean, this thing was like really big. So I remember him making that and I remember them carrying it into the backyard cause it was so big. And I remember just little things like that stuff he did for me, but I don't necessarily have like it's just flashes, like, you know, flashes of things. So, um, do you want me to start sharing about kind of that? So when I was four, um, my parents were split up, they were separated, but my dad, he worked at a cannery. So one morning he, um, had just picked up his coworker, his friend, they carpooled and they were on their way to work. It was real early in the morning and a woman getting off work, she fell asleep at the wheel driving and hit them head on. Mm. And so the passenger, my dad's friend, he died on the scene. He died there um, when the ambulance got there. And my dad, he had to be life flighted to the nearest trauma hospital. Um, He had severe injuries, uh, fractures on his face. Um, The car was so smashed that the engine hit his kneecap and shattered his kneecap. Um, He was in a coma for three months. So I remember running down the hallway of the hospital with my mom Mm. um, to see if he was okay right after the accident. So that's like a traumatic memory I have of running down the hallway. So he, um, he had to have reconstructive surgery on his face. He had to have, um, like metal screws and rods put in his knee and his foot. And so he was in a coma for three months. I remember going there regularly talking to him. And then one day he woke up and I was so excited to go see my dad. You know, I'm like, Oh, he's awake. I'm going to see him. Little me just thinking everything's going to be back to normal, you know, And so I remember going in there and I had got him this little stuffed animal. I had brought him this little stuffed animal. I think it was a dragon. And I walked in the room and he, I gave him the dragon. He was holding it and he was drooling. Mm. He was drooling on this dragon. And I remember thinking in that moment, this is not my dad. This Mm. is like a baby, you know? And so I started talking to him and I had an older brother at the time. I should have said that I had an older half brother. His name was Brady. So I started talking to my dad and he called me Brady. And that was like this moment, like he doesn't even know me. He doesn't know who I am. 
And I kind of got this idea in my head. Nobody put this there. I got this idea in my head where I'm going to have to take care of him. Hmm. I'm going to have to help him. And um, that affected me for a long time. And I'll get more into that later. Um, But he had to relearn how to walk, to eat, to brush his teeth, take care of himself. So for a long time, he was in physical therapy. He lived with my grandma so she could help him get around because he couldn't drive. Um, his his knee is still, uh, his leg is fused, so he can't bend his leg or anything because he doesn't have a kneecap from the accident. So growing up, he was always around and he tried his best, but it wasn't like I could really depend on him. You know, I didn't go to him for anything. Um, so that's how I saw a father and I, I did have a stepdad, but I, again, because of years of not having someone I really like depended on or went to for anything, when I did get a stepdad, I didn't even go to him for anything. Like if I had a need, I just kind of tried to deal with it on my own. Yeah. Um, so when you would ask me, what's a father? that was kind of always in the back of my mind, just kind of there, but not necessarily someone I went to for needs or to help me with things or anything like that. Yeah. So that's, that's hard. And obviously I think a big part of what impacted me so much about your story is that I have a four-year-old myself now and, and thinking about life, what life might be like for him if something happened to me at this moment in his, in his formation. I mean, the those are formative years, right? For yeah. a four-year-old moving into that stage to now, I mean, you had your father physically present with you on earth yes. and yet- Yet emotionally, spiritually, you know, be, being able to to play the role that a father needs to play, he wasn't able to do that for you. And so, t- tell us maybe a little bit more then about your family dynamic growing up. So he was, so you had your mother, you had your stepfather who wasn't really there. I mean, who who did you look to as a father? What what were your perceptions of? Did you look to friends, fathers? Like what? How did you form any sort of perception of what a father was? At that point. I mean, I still looked to my dad and he was there as much as he could be like, he um, would come to all my softball games, you know, and all that, but I just didn't depend on him. Gotcha. He wasn't someone I went to for help. I didn't ask him for anything. You know how a little girl would be like, dad, buy me a pony, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never did that because I was aware of his struggles and I wanted to make things as easy as possible for him and for my mom too. So, I I mean, I did have a father. He was always there, but it was just, I maybe thought I had to take care of myself in terms of that. Like I didn't um, go to him for needs. And then, so when you when you say you get saved right i think i was 18 when i got saved and they say god is your father right yeah and i didn't necessarily know this at the time but in the back of my mind i'm like okay god's a father but i didn't go to god for needs i didn't really depend on god and they tell you god is all powerful nothing is impossible for him 
and you believe it in your mind, but in your heart, you don't necessarily see a father like that. And I like what you were saying earlier is because if you could, if you ask every person, what's a father, someone might say, oh, someone that takes care of you, someone that provides for you, your protector. But then if you ask another person, they might say, fathers leave. Yeah. Fathers don't stick around or. Um, yeah, fathers they're, they're, yeah, they're hurt distant. You. That's right. They hurt you, know, you. Fathers hurt you. Fathers, you can't trust them depending on what someone's situation is. And we do, we whether knowingly or unknowingly, we take that into our relationship with God when we learn he's a father. We look at him through that lens. And I think that's so good that you said that. And um, we have to learn how to not see God through a lens because God isn't man. You know, you could have the best father on the planet, but he's still human. He's not perfect. So we have to learn how to take that lens off and learn who God says he is and try to separate that from our earthly father because he's the perfect father. That's right. <laughs> and as much as some of us have a great father, he's not perfect. He's still human, you know. What has the transition been like? So let, let's let's unpack that a little bit further then. So so you got saved when you were 18, meaning you you came to to know things about God, you you wanted to walk with him. At what point did you embrace the idea that he could be a father to you in ways that you hadn't had? What What are some of the, you've already talked about some of the false perceptions of yes. what a father is, and maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit more, but, but what are some of the truths you came to learn about who God really is, not just at a, a sort of a brain level? I mean, you mentioned, oh, I kind of believed it at a surface level, but I didn't really internalize that belief. How did it come, or maybe it hasn't yet, but how did it come to a point where you then truly believed and truly embraced the father nature of God? And how has that shown up in your life? I, I can remember certain times in prayer when God would reveal those things to me. Um, and honestly, it took time, there were years where I didn't really realize I was still seeing God through this lens. And I remember one time in prayer, God told me, he said, you don't come to me for your needs. And that was very convicting. (laughs) You know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't like, I really don't. I try to just take care of things on my own. And Cause maybe I've always kind of been like that. I've just tried to make things okay, you know, and I tried to make things as easy as possible on my dad, make things as easy as possible on my mom. So when God tells me, you don't come to me for your needs, I realized, wow, that you're right, God, (laughs) I don't like if I have a bill that needs to be paid or whatever, a physical need, a healing need, I just, you know, I'd say a little prayer, like, okay, God, that'd be really nice if you could help me with this bill, but 
if you don't, that's okay. Yeah. Like, so I mean, you don't fine, almost like you don't you know? expect it. Yeah. You don't, you're not expecting <laughs> yeah, it. I don't expect yeah. it. And then I rem- so that, that took a process of learning to like almost relearning in your brain. Okay. Don't, don't do it on your own. Go to God first. And then there's another time. Um, I remember specifically, I was at a women's retreat and he, he asked me, he said, do you believe that I'll show up when I say I will? Like, do you believe I'll show up for you? And that was another convicting moment where I'm like, I want to, I want to believe you'll show up, but I've never expected that. And I've never counted on it. I haven't believed. And I've thought of that man, uh, gosh, can't think of the verse right now. You'll probably know, but he, he says to Jesus, he says, help me in my unbelief. Mm -hmm. And that was a prayer I prayed in that moment. Lord, I don't always believe it, but I want to. So help me believe that you will show up. So that's one thing that God had to strip off and me to relearn and believe in my heart that he is faithful, that I can count on him as sure as I can count on the sun rising in the morning, that he will be there when I need him. So that's one truth I learned, faithful, dependable, um, that he has a perfect track record. (laughs) He's never let me down. He's not going to. People will fail me eventually, even, you know, parents, friends, pastors, they're human. People will fail me, but he will never fail me. Um, And also just that he's able. um, That was a big thing. I guess I just didn't see my dad as, or a father as some people. Do you know what I mean? Um, like strong can do anything. Um, that's another thing God revealed to me over the years is he is able, he's more than able. He's more than enough to be there, to take care of me, to meet every, every need I have. You, you talk about him being faithful, never letting you down. This is going to be a deep, deep theological type of question. It's the question that, you know, we always hear. Yeah. But did you ever blame God for what happened to your dad? I mean, you you talk about him being faithful, never letting you down. And yet, yet at age four, you find yourself without the the father that that you might have wanted or, or even needed. Mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like the, why, why do good thing, bad things happen to good people, that type of thing. Yeah. So if everything you're saying about God is true, and these are truths that you have come to know about him, how do you sort of reconcile that with what happened to your father? You know, I never, I never actually thought God responsible or was angry at him about that, which I know most, some people would say, say they would feel that way, but I don't know if it's because I was so young that I couldn't even think of that being like God's responsibility or his faults per se, you know? Um, but no, I never, um, I never blamed God for that. And I think there's certainly been moments where I've been mad at God about different things, or I blamed him for, um, this or that. Um, 
And, you know, my stepdad, he actually passed away um, 12 years ago now. And my brother was a senior in high school at the time. That's his, his, his real dad. And he blamed God for him passing away, but he was also very sick. Um, so to me, I, at the time I saw it as God was healing him, you know, he took him to heaven. Like that's the ultimate healing. So I saw it through that lens of like, God healed him. Yeah. We were praying for God to heal him. God ultimately did heal him because he's not sick anymore. He's not hurting. But my brother, he didn't see it as that way. He saw it as I prayed for God to heal him. He didn't. He died. Um, And that's a hard, that's a hard thing, you know, at that age, a senior in high school, like that's when you really need a father. And for a long time, he did blame God. Um, And we all blame God for different things, you know, like, why do you let this happen? But I think for each person, you, you kind of have to come before God and say, show me this from your perspective, Mm -hmm. because maybe my perspective is off. Maybe my perspective is wrong. And if you know God and you know, he's good and you trust him, then you're more open to seeing that from a, you know, mature perspective, But if you don't know God and you don't know he's good, then you're going to blame him for those things. Um, But yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. It does. does, They're hard questions. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, I'm just always curious uh, on other people's perspectives on, on things like that. When, when things happen to us, Mm -hmm. how, how do, how do we, how do we discern what, what role, if any, God God played in that, and so that's yeah, yeah, that's huge, and it's important to to factor into how we perceive Him as Father. For fathers who, uh, for other men who maybe didn't have the ideal father going up, and if we were to ask them, as you suggested, that same question, "Who is God?" Yeah, tell me about God, yeah. and they would list all those terrible adjectives. Yeah, how can somebody come to know the truth? Are there Bible, are, are the verses you go to? What are some, are there parables that Jesus told? Are there like, how have you come to, to know more of the truth of who God is that, that, uh, and, and you talked about prayer. I mean, you said that a, yeah. in a couple of key instances, God just revealed himself to you directly, which is awesome. I mean, that's, and then maybe that's the answer right there. But what, you know, what would you suggest to men who might be wrestling with this and really understanding that, hey, look, here's how I view God. Maybe he's not exactly as I uh, view him. I want to believe that he's actually good and has my best interest in mind. How might they get to that place? I would definitely say through the word because ultimately that's how we discover who God is. And if you really want to know him, you have to be determined to learn who he is, who his character is. Um, And you're going to find that in the word. Um, But you have to really have an open mind of seeing him, not as your earthly father, like we said, 
but um, just really not putting him in a box and like, okay, Lord, I want to know you. <laughs> Who are you? And God loves to reveal himself to us. You know, he wants us to know him. Yeah. If we really want to know him, he's easily accessible. He wants us to know him. So I would just encourage them to try to take off those, that lens, those glasses of what you think a dad is and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. I want to know you. Who are you? Like lead me through your word, lead me to the passages I need to know and, you know, to discover you and he will do it. Like he wants you to know him. He wants you to know who he really is. Um, and I was, when you were asking me this question, I was thinking of this, um, this young man I met. So a few years ago, maybe like five now, I was helping, uh, I was an adult leader for this youth conference. And so I went with, took the group, I went with the, you know, to the kids to the conference. And there was this um, teenager, he was in a wheelchair. And I, I just kept looking at him. And I had this overwhelming feeling like I need to go pray for this kid. Like I have to go pray for him. So I asked someone to come with me. And I'm thinking he's in a wheelchair. I'm praying for him to walk. You know, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm expecting as I go over there. So I started praying for, I asked him, can I pray for you? I really feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. And he's like, yeah. So I start praying and I just felt this wall. I just felt this huge wall up. And I was like, you know what? I need to ask this kid some questions. So I said, do you mind me asking, how did you get in this wheelchair? And he said, my father put me in this wheelchair mm. my dad did this to me he's very angry he's he's really angry and in that moment I was like I'm not supposed to pray for him his body I'm supposed to pray for his heart and I told him that I said you know I think God sent me over here to pray for your heart because you're holding on to a lot of anger and unforgiveness towards your father and it's not hurting him you know, it's hurting you. It's not okay what he did to you. I'm not excusing it by any means, but the Bible says, if you don't forgive others, you will not be forgiven. And I really truly believe that if you choose to forgive your father, you're going to see a lot of breakthrough in your life. And I said, do you want to forgive him? And he's like, Nope. Mm, yeah. I don't want to forgive him. I'm not, I'm not going to forgive him. And I said, okay, I under, you know, I, I'm not going to push, I'm not going to push you, but I'm just letting you know that you holding on to this is only hurting yourself. And so I asked him, I said, can I pray for you one more time? He's like, okay. So I just prayed for his heart. I prayed that God would heal him. You know, that the love of God would come over him, that he'd be able to choose forgiveness. So that. He was holding, I could tell he was holding on to that, but it was like he was looking at even God through that lens yeah. of like a father is someone that hurts you, yeah. that you can trust. The father put him in that wheelchair and it is definitely a journey. It is a pro healing process. If you've come from a bad situation and you had a bad father, you had a bad dad that hurt you that you can't trust that, you know, just when you're a little kid and you're so vulnerable and they took advantage of that, that's a hard healing process to go through, to be able 
to say, okay, maybe a father's not what I think it is. Um, so I would even recommend counseling sure. <laughs> for someone that has had a father um, that has hurt them and they can't, tr- you know, they couldn't trust them. I would recommend not only prayer, not only the word, but really being able to talk to like a, a Christian counselor who can walk you through that process because it's a process of separating that from God, the father, the perfect father who would never hurt you, who would never, you know, abuse you, never let you down. Um, it's, it, it's a process. Like I said, it takes a willing to put in the work. It is worth it. You know, there's so much freedom on the other side. And then once you know how good God is, it's so much easier to go to him for those things, for those needs and see him as the good, good father, like we sing about. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I, I I love what you said about the forgiveness piece. You know, I remember Jesus talking about how, I mean, he told his disciples, he, he only does what he sees the father doing. Mm, and yes. I mean, that, that right there is revealing, right? How can we know how to show up as fathers ourselves? Well, we have to look to who God is and what he does. Well, what does yeah. he do? Well, we yeah. can see that in the things that Jesus does, right? And, mm-hmm. and he, Clearly, he forgives. He has set the example of forgiveness, and so yeah. then we know two things. Then we know we know that it's incumbent upon us to forgive, as you were suggesting to that that boy. Whether he what he does with that that's that's between him and God. But that was great encouragement by you. But but one thing we can know for sure is that God forgives. So that even in our iniquities, even in things where we have fallen short, we're not perfect. Now I might not have yeah. put my kid in a wheelchair. But where else have I fallen short? Where do I, where do I, do I need God's forgiveness? Well, to know that that's his nature. His nature is to forgive. His nature as my father is to extend grace to me, to love me even in my weakness, uh, all of those things. And so, but but how would I know that? Well, I, I know that by, by reading that in the word, like you suggested as well. And so the more that we can know who Jesus was and how he showed up and things that he did on earth. If he was only doing the things that he knew about his father, his heavenly father, that's, that's a pretty good indication, I guess, of, of who God is as father as well. And so, so maybe that's part of the answer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I think it's important for those of us who are striving to be amazing, you know, wonderful, kind, loving, forgiving fathers to even voice to our kids, you know, at an age appropriate way and in, you know, communication that is uh, understandable to them, but to communicate to our kids as a reminder, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm your earthly father. Um, God is our heavenly father who is perfect. And yes, you know, I'm striving to be an excellent dad for you, kiddo, but I sometimes fall short. So I think as fathers who are striving to be amazing, that we can begin to plant that seed of removing the lens for our kids, for our own shortcomings, because obviously we have them, right? Like we said earlier, nobody's perfect. But I think another layer of how we can be the best fathers we can be is helping our children understand not to attach our shortcomings (laughs) 
to the heavenly father. And I think that we can, we can kind of plant that seed in our kids, you know, with the direction of the Holy spirit and the right time and the right ways. But I think that's another resource that, that, that kids might have growing up that they can begin to separate those things and, and understand, okay, the shortcomings of my earthly father don't belong to the heavenly father. Yeah. That's so good. I think it's also so healthy for our kids to see us admitting our mistakes Yeah. too, because when we admit that and we say, you know, I'm, I messed up, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying my best, you know, Lord, forgive me. (laughs) Like when we're able to admit that and they can see that, um, you know, sort of us receiving God's grace for our, our mistakes, then it encourages them that they can do the same too. You know, um, like, especially if you have an amazing dad and I just think of, you know, a great dad and you're like, my dad's perfect. He's so awesome. You know, but then maybe you put that on yourself where you think I have to be perfect too. Sure. (laughs) You know, and I don't ever want my kids to feel that way. I don't want them to feel they have to be perfect. So I think it's healthy to show them, hey, I make mistakes too, but I'm trying my best. And that's what matters is God's grace covers my shortfalls and my shortcomings. Excuse me. Um, I think that's so healthy for them to be able to see that um, because they that's learned, you know, then they know it's okay if I make mistakes, but God is still there. He's not mad at me. He still forgives me and God's grace covers me in those areas too. Man, I think that's a powerful way to end it. Good, good thoughts, guys. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I've, you know, I've, I don't think we've fully answered the question, but we have gotten the ball rolling and having this conversation hopefully planted some some ideas and some seeds of thoughts for for everyone listening. And I think I think our intention moving forward in the podcast is to inject a little bit more of this trying to unpack who who God is as father and so in in upcoming episodes we're going to we're going to look at different facets of who God is as father and what we can glean from that and how we can then show up in that way in our role as father as well so so definitely stay tuned for that but Heather again we appreciate you being on this morning for for sharing your journey i mean it sounds like you have have gotten to a good place and and being able to rely on your father in heaven, knowing that he is there yeah. for you, that he wants good things for you, that he has good gifts for you. And it sounds like it's been a process to get there. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And for everybody listening, hopefully you guys have a blessed week wherever in the world you are. Thank you as always for listening, for giving us some of your time. Reach out to us, contact information in the show notes below if you have anything that you want us to discuss on the show. Uh, happy to, to consider that, but we will be back with you again soon on the next episode of the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Take care, everyone. I'm trying, I'm trying.